Harry, staying true to his word, helps Louis cook every night for the next three weeks. He shows up between five o'clock and half past, every single night, ready to help and be bossed around. He's skilled in the kitchen too, Louis realizes pretty quickly. Wasn't lying about loving to cook and not minding pitching in. Soon enough, he starts offering suggestions to improve some of Louis's recipes, even giving him some tips and tricks to make things easier for him. From anyone else, Louis would find it intrusive and rude, but there's something charming about Harry's eagerness, about the way he so genuinely wants to help and wants Louis to improve. He often argues his points with big hand gestures, supplementing his argument with quick Google searches on Louis's phone, waving the mobile in Louis's face with a triumphant look in his eyes, ridiculously happy that allrecipes.co.uk seems to agree with his technique to cut mushrooms. Slowly, they get to know each other. Harry, for the most part, remains an enigma Louis can't quite crack. He never reveals anything truly personal about himself, and even though they've spent hours together every day, Louis still doesn't know where he actually lives, what he does for work, or even what led him to a short exile on Fair Isle. It's all right, though, Louis figures. He gets to know different things about Harry, little things he doesn't seem to find important enough to hide, but that Louis is getting addicted to. Like the fact that he wasn't kidding when he said his sister was the smartest sibling, that she's an investigative journalist of all things, and that Harry is so ridiculously proud of her, he looks like he's going to burst from it when he talks about her, his green eyes sparkling. Like the fact that he genuinely does love romance novels, devours them when he's not busy writing in that little notebook of his, before roasting them mercilessly to Louis's delight. One night, he reenacts one of the smuttiest sex scenes in the book to the best of his memory, critiquing every single thing like he's doing his own stand-up on it, and he makes Louis laugh so hard that he accidentally cuts his finger. He's so apologetic about inadvertently hurting his host that he bakes Louis vegan banana muffins the next day. Like the fact that he loves music and he takes it extremely seriously, taking control of Louis's Spotify every night to curate the mood of their cooking according to his whims. His taste is eclectic, and when he's not singing along to whatever he picked with a surprisingly gorgeous deep voice, he's rambling and giving Louis facts about the artist and production of the songs easily. He's deeply knowledgeable, admiring not only the artistry of music, but the hard work and the process beneath it. It's a way of listening Louis never experienced before, and he finds himself hanging on every word without realizing. In return, Louis tells Harry stories about his past guests, even though it's unprofessional to do so and he probably shouldn't. But Harry is slowly becoming his friend, the line between guest and acquaintance blurring more and more with every day that passes. So Louis forgets he's not in the off-season with the mate hanging around, and he tells him about the weird, the unusual, and the sweet. He tells him about the fights and the proposals, all of his favorite memories from the people that have crossed his threshold. And Harry listens with rapt attention, revealing more about himself than he probably realizes just by the way he's so attentive, so captivated by stories filled with strangers. Because as much as Louis noticed that Harry loves being alone, it's obvious he loves people too, genuinely. All in all, Harry is animated when spending time with Louis in the kitchen in a way he never expected him to be, not when he was so taciturn, so sad when he first arrived.
Now that they formed a tentative camaraderie, Louis can recognize a lot of it was probably timidity. Though the cloud of sorrow hanging over Harry's head that Louis first spotted definitely hasn't vanished. Once in a while, Harry will show up in the kitchen in a sour mood, dark circles under his eyes, and carrying himself like his bones are too heavy. He's still helpful, listening to Louis's instructions and never shying away from his duties, but he's barely there at all. He cuts vegetables and grates cheese and cooks meat and washes dishes without saying a single word, a shadow of himself which upsets Louis a lot more now than he actually knows what Harry is normally like. On those nights, he'll only open his mouth to agree to one of Louis's requests, the usual banter between them completely absent. Worst of all, he never comments on the music Louis puts on, never makes grabby hands towards the phone to take control, doesn't make specific song requests. Sometimes he'll even politely ask Louis to turn the music off, a sign that things are truly dire. Louis never pushes. He obeys and turns the music off, trying to mask his concern, his empathy, under a blank face, looking sad only briefly, and when Harry isn't looking. He does wonder, though. He wonders what happens on those mornings that Harry wakes up all out of sorts, the weight of living so visible in the tense lines of his face and his nervous fiddling. He wonders if there's anything he could say to make it better, wonders if he could share the heavy load somehow. He wonders if there's anything anyone could say that would make it better. But Harry has established clear boundaries, and Louis would never cross them. So on those nights, Louis doesn't say anything. He doesn't try. He doesn't pry, doesn't probe. Following Harry's lead, he keeps quiet, letting him retire early and going down to the beach by himself to walk Clifford, hating the silence that accompanies him intensely, even though he and Harry don't usually chat by that point of the evening when they walk together. That specific night, Harry walks into the kitchen with red eyes, his body language very clearly spelling, do not bother me. So Louis puts him to work straight away without asking if he's had a nice day. Instead, he lets him prepare quick tomato sauce while Louis boils water for pasta. He was originally planning something a little more elaborate, something that would take them at least an hour to prepare. But considering how utterly miserable Harry looks, Louis doesn't want to impose his company on a second longer than necessary. He'll probably want to go back to his moping straight away, Louis thinks sadly, as he watches Harry stir the sauce carefully. Louis sighs, joining him in front of the stove to put the pasta into the boiling water. Both of them shoulder to shoulder, the silence heavy in a way it usually isn't. After a while, to Louis' surprise, Harry speaks without being prompted. Do you think, he starts saying, frowning at the pot before he stops himself shaking his head, I try to avoid it, actually, Louis jokes unimaginatively to break the tension. I avoid having unnecessary worries that way. It's a testament to Harry's relatively easygoing personality that even in clear distress, he doesn't chide Louis for his stupid, unfiltered babble. He doesn't smile, though, the frown on his face still going strong, stronger even. He keeps stirring the sauce slowly, watching as it starts bubbling a little too intensely for a second, before reducing the heat. He clears his throat, then tries again. Do you think you could just distract me, please? 
When Louis turns his head to look at him, at the straight line of his nose, the curves of his lips, the blush on his cheeks, Harry clenches his jaw visibly. Sure, Louis replies, before starting to tell an elaborate story about his youngest siblings. And he doesn't stop. They finish cooking and Louis talks. They sit down to eat and Louis talks. They finish the meal and Louis talks. He just babbles on and on, 100% certain that Harry isn't listening to a single word he's saying. He talks about Lottie and her career as a makeup artist. He talks about both sets of twins and the various troubles they gave him when they were little. He talks about nappies, bath time, story time. He talks about his first job, his second job, his third job. He talks about getting fired over and over before becoming his own boss. He talks until their plates are empty and his voice is harsh. Harry remains eerily silent. When they're done eating, Harry hovers near the door, playing with a rubber band around his wrist, snapping it a few times against the thin skin there, and it reddens immediately. To Louis's surprise, he speaks again, not before clearing his throat deeply, though. Is it... Would it be all right if I let you take care of the dishes tonight? He asks looking a bit embarrassed at the request. Of course, Louis replies kindly, feeling like Harry might start crying the way relief spreads over his face. In a second, he's vanished from the kitchen and into the depths of the cottage. Every hope that Louis entertained about Harry's mood improving overnight gets crushed when he makes his way down the main staircase the next morning looking like he hasn't slept at all. His hair is a mess on the top of his head, sticking in every direction like maybe he's been running his fingers angrily through it all night, and the dark circles under his eyes have only gotten worse. He's wearing an old, white Rolling Stones tee that's so old it's basically threadbare, with a hole so big on the chest that Louis is pretty sure he can see a nipple. He's got his faithful green jacket on that looks like a too large beige cardigan underneath. Hey, Louis says from reception, smiling at him. Harry nods back, eyes barely flickering to Louis's face before he looks away. He whistles and Clifford comes running down the corridor, obeying him straight away and sniffing down the pockets of Harry's Adidas sweatpants in search of treats, now that he's started carrying them around as Louis does. They're about to leave the cottage without a word in Louis's direction when he stops them with a strangled, Wait! Harry turns around in the door, giving Louis a puzzled frown but he's already running down the corridor and into the living room, not caring that he looks a bit insane right now. He grabs a thick blue scarf off the coat peg and runs back to the entrance. Once there, he awkwardly wraps it around Harry's neck without meeting his eyes. It's quite chilly today, he explains quickly as he secures the scarf. Temperature's really dropped and the wind is pretty bad, especially near the water. You'll need it, trust me. He looks up at Harry's face as he says the last part not quite able to read the emotion that flickers on his face. Thanks, Harry mumbles, hiding his face under the wool scarf. No problem, Louis replies as Harry turns around and opens the door. Have a good walk, he calls to Harry's back. It still hurts when he doesn't get a reply, even though he wasn't expecting one. He's hoovering one of the empty rooms, big laundry baskets with fresh linens and towels, left in the corridor when Harry makes a reappearance. To Louis' surprise, he doesn't walk past the commotion to head straight to his bedroom. Instead, he steps over the baskets and hangs in the doorway, 
leaning against it with his hands buried deep in the pockets of his cardigan. Louis tries not to let the hawk-like way Harry is staring at him distract him from the task at hand. He can't concentrate, though, the beats of his heart somehow louder than the hoover in his ears as he nervously tries to remember how to behave like a normal person when he's being scrutinized like this. Finally, after what he feels is like an eternity of Louis leaning awkwardly to Hoover under the bed, while Harry just stares, he turns the machine off and faces his guest with an amused smile on his face. Can I help you? Louis asks, one hand on his hips, the other still holding the top of the Hoover. Harry blinks. Do you need anything? Louis insists, not unkindly. No, no, I just... Harry looks around, shifting his weight to lean ever so slightly against the doorway. He looks over his shoulder, back into the corridor at the laundry baskets. Why are you changing the sheets in all of the rooms if there's no one but me here? He asks, and it's clearly not why he's been standing here staring at Louis, but he'll take it. Well, I'm still open, aren't I? He says, turning the hoover on again. Can't exactly do nothing all day, can I? What if someone shows up looking for a room this afternoon? Drop-ins do happen. I mean, you're proof of that. Right, Harry chuckles, small but not really amused. It sounds more like a habit than anything else, and Louis really hates when he does that. He would rather rather the storm of Harry's honesty than face this diluted, amicable, fake version of him. Louis takes a second to look at him, properly. He looks better than the night before, at least, certainly better than this morning. He not, might not be laughing with the sincerity Louis has gotten used to, but he no longer looks utterly miserable. The dark circles under his eyes haven't miraculously vanished and his hair is still messy, but it looks windswept now, organic rather than caused by nervous energy. He seems calmer too, more settled, and there's a healthy flush to his cheeks. The winds work, no doubt, but it makes him look a little better. He looks good, really, if a little tired. No longer like he's two seconds away from crying, at least, which Louis will always consider an improvement. Can I help? Harry asks, gesturing towards the room. Louis frowns. You don't have to, he replies automatically, mentally hating himself for the fact that this is truly becoming his new catchphrase. On cue, Harry's lips turn up slightly, and it's not a laugh, not even a full smile, but that one's honest, Louis can tell, and that makes it so much better. Harry bites his lower lip before nodding. I know. Really, though, Louis insists, loud over the sound of the hoover. He finally covers the last corner of the room as he explains. If this is some sort of penance for last night's dishes, you really, really, really don't have to. Done talking, Louis turns the hoover off and goes to unplug it, clicking the plug off, too. At that, Harry does smile, a bit timidly. I know, he repeats, insistent this time. It's not, trust me, just just want to keep busy and help. Well, I'm not going to say no to that, am I? Louis says as he walks past Harry, gently nudging his bicep. He grabs one of the laundry baskets filled with towels and hands it to Harry, while grabbing one full of linens for himself. Think you can fold these towels properly? I'll take care of the bed. Harry nods, following Louis into the room and sitting down in the armchair tucked away in one of the corners. He spreads his legs and places the basket on the floor between them. You know, he starts conversationally, looking down at the flowery pattern on the armchair. I have a suit with that exact pattern. Louis stops his movement to grab one of the pillowcases and stares.
really? He asks, more curiosity than judgment in his voice, as he looks down at what has been dubbed by most of his friends and family the granny sofa. It's nothing truly wild, just a pale turquoise background and patterns of flowers in various shades of pink. A bold choice for fashion, though, he can't deny that. Harry nods. Yeah, it's pretty. Would not have taken you for a wild pattern kind of boy twist, but interesting, Louis jokes. I guess that explains why you always end up wearing my craziest jumpers. Harry blushes, looking down at the basket as he grabs a towel and starts folding it perfectly. Louis shouldn't be impressed. It's just folding after all. But he's had help from careless, messy people before, and he can't help but appreciate the neat perfectionism of Harry's gestures. I do love a bold pattern, Harry admits without shame. Louis nods, tucking one of the pillows in a pillowcase. Good for you, he replies. You're, gu- you're good at that, he comments. Harry snorts, putting the now perfectly folded towel on one of the chair's arms. It's folding laundry, he says with distaste. It's not like it's rocket science. Any idiot can do it. At that, Louis laughs. Oh, honey, you would be surprised. Me mate Stan? I thought I could trust him with towel duties once. Big mistake. Huge. To be fair, his girlfriend does all of his laundry for him, and I'm pretty sure he's never folded anything in his life, which is extremely embarrassing and pathetic of him. But I suppose I'm the one to blame, thinking I could trust him with such a basic task. Warmth spreads in Louis's chest when he gets a sincere laugh out of Harry. Feels like days since he's heard it, and he's not sure he wants to examine too closely why he feels so much relief now that he has it again. That is embarrassing for him. Harry agrees. Yep, but still, don't undermine your work. Not everyone is as precise. Even people with experience, Louis jokes. Harry shrugs, putting another perfectly folded towel aside. I spend a lot of time in hotels, he reveals. Must have learned something, right? Right, Louis agrees. It shouldn't feel like new information, considering Harry has mentioned traveling a lot before. But Louis can't help the zing of thrill coursing through his body at the revelation. They keep working in silence for a while, Louis only struggling a little with the fitted sheet. Harry is humming under his breath, a sad ballad Louis could swear he's heard before but can't name. Why are we always fucking running from the bullets? Harry sings, and Louis risks a glance his way. Sorry, Harry blushes, clearing his throat. It's all right, Louis says, efficiently fitting the duvet into its cover. You have a lovely voice. I don't mind. Harry looks a bit caught, a bit embarrassed by the compliment, like he'd rather do anything in the world but be having this conversation. He keeps very still, looking at Louis straight in the eyes, and he seems to be waiting for Louis to tell him he's joking or something. It's like he's waiting for Louis to say something devastating, and he's bracing himself for it. I mean it, Louis insists. You don't have to look at me like that, all keyed up. I'm not going to turn around and tease you. Harry's shoulders sag in relief at that, and he passes a shaky hand through his hair. It's a shame your band didn't work out, Louis says kindly, finding that he actually means it. You certainly got the voice for a record deal. Somehow, Harry looks even more relieved at that. That wasn't... Harry shakes his head. That wasn't nothing, he says, playing it cool. That wasn't me singing properly or anything. It's nothing. I... Can we just talk about something else? Yeah, of course, Louis says, surprised at his insistence. I didn't mean to embarrass you. No, you didn't, 
it's not, I just don't want to talk about my old band and stupid dreams and stuff. Louis nods. Of course. There's a, there's actually something I've been meaning to tell you. It's why I came up here, actually. Oh, all right, go for it. I just wanted to apologize. Louis frowned, stopping his fussing over the bed. What on earth for? Harry looks deadly serious. Louis, he says, voice firm. Louis sighs at the sound, stopping his work and sitting down on the bed facing Harry. You don't have anything to apologize for. I really do, Harry insists, voice trembling. I'm sorry about last night. I, uh, yesterday morning I had a, an emotional, I mean, a difficult phone call with my sponsor. I had a lot on my mind. Kind of fucked me up a bit. Just put me in this really introspective mood. And I just became a bit of a nonverbal asshole when I'm like that. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I know I'm not the easiest guest to have around, and you've been incredibly welcoming. I do appreciate that. It's just, I don't know, it's hard sometimes. And the things he said to me, I found them very confronting, and I just... Louis' heart squeezes in his chest. You don't have to tell me, he interrupts, not wanting Harry to regret revealing those things to him. You don't know me anything, right? I know, Harry nods, eyes wet. I know that, I just... I've been a dick sometimes, and I'm sorry, and I'm even sorrier that it might happen again. Louis smiles. You really weren't a dick, you know that, right? He knows he sounds insistent, but Harry literally looks like he's killed Louis's dog or something, rather than just withdrawn into himself a little while he was dealing with something hugely personal. And Louis really needs him to understand the difference. You were just a bit sad, a bit quiet. You weren't rude or anything. So truly, no biggie. It happens. You certainly don't have to apologize for that. Harry's eyelashes flutter as he looks down, carefully folding the towel in his hands, taking his time. Thanks, he replies after a while. Louis gets up in the bed and rearranges the pillows until he's satisfied. When he's done with the bed, he walks back to the corridor, grabbing another laundry basket of towels and setting it next to Harry's on the floor. Then he sits down on the floor next to it and starts folding with them. He works in silence for a while before the urge to say something becomes too urgent. Can I ask you a question? Louis says, voice raspy. He probably shouldn't push so soon after Harry started opening up, especially when he stopped him from revealing too much earlier. But there's a difference between Harry slipping up and trying to apologize, and Louis giving him the option to refuse when he asks a direct question. You ask that a lot, Harry comments, without actually answering, making Louis laugh. Well, I'm getting to know you, and I'm a polite person. I was raised well, so... Harry hums, but when Louis looks up at him from the floor, he doesn't look upset by the request. You can ask me a question. Tell me to fuck off if I'm overstepping, but... Louis only hesitates for a second before continuing. I was wondering how long you've been sober. Oh. It escapes Harry's mouth, almost disappointingly, like it truly wasn't he was expecting Louis to ask. Um, not that long, actually. Just past seven months. Louis whistles in appreciation. That's a long time, actually. Congratulations. Harry's face brightens, a large, genuine smile taking over his features, two deep dimples nestling in his cheeks. 
He looks down at the towel resting at his knees, and Louis takes a second to observe the way he holds himself, curled in like he doesn't want to take too much space. When Harry looks back up, Louis feels caught, but he doesn't look away. Thank you, Harry replies. He jumps his fingers on the towel for a few seconds before getting back to work. It's partly why I'm here, he says, almost absently like Louis hasn't been wondering for weeks now. I just, I got out of rehab, and I really wasn't ready to go back to my regular life, not straight away. He scrunches his nose, sniffing, and for one second Louis thinks he's crying, but he carries on speaking like normal. My job is, it's complicated. It's really complicated. He says it mostly to himself without elaborating on what it means. Louis doesn't even know what he could possibly ask to make this clear, having no idea what the fuck Harry does for a living. In between the pause, Harry takes between two breaths. Louis makes a mental list of everything he knows about Harry's job. 1. Harry travels a lot. 2. Specifically, Harry goes to the U.S. a lot. 3. Harry owns more than one house. 4. Harry clearly has money. It's not much to go on, and Louis could list a dozen high-ranking white-collar jobs that could fit those four criteria. Harry is a bit young for most of them, of course, but he could easily be the heir to some random fortune and Louis would never have any idea, though he supposes a small village upbringing might not fit that picture. He's distracted away from the speculation when Harry starts talking again, and when their eyes met, Harry rolls his. So many fucking triggers, he says with disgust. I mean, I started drinking too much because I couldn't cope with it. It was just a little at first, just a little every day to get through all the, all the bullshit, you know? Then it was more just to numb the anxiety, even drugs sometimes, he admits in a lower voice. Though not, it wasn't my main vice, but still, and the triggers are still there. The job hasn't magically changed because I was away. And I used to love it, Louis. I used to love it so much. But I don't know if I can ever love it again, not after everything. Even if I'm sober now and I have an understanding of what led me here, even if I know how to recognize the signs and how to ask for help, the triggers are still there, lurking in the shadows, waiting to get me. He seems to get out of a trance then, looking at Louis with wide eyes. I'm sorry, he blurts, shaking his head. Bloody hell, he swears. You don't care about that shit. He laughs, a bit manic. You don't even know me, he adds, looking both incredulous and relieved by that fact. You don't even know me, he repeats in a whisper. Harry, Louis calls in a gasp, reaching for his wrist and grasping it firmly, trying to squeeze all the nervous energy out of him, trying to absorb it where their bare skin touch. Obviously, I never force you to talk about this stuff, but don't say I don't care. That's not true. Louis squeezes Harry's wrist again, forcing him to meet his gaze. That's not true at all. At that, Harry just crumbles. I just needed more time, he admits with a wet gasp, eyes shining. Of course you did, Louis whispers, sliding a soothing hand up to Harry's arm. My family's really supportive. They really are. If I, if I didn't want to go back straight away, I could have gone home. I really could have, but I know they all want me to get back to work. My family, my friends, my everyone wants me to get back to work. 
how am I supposed to figure out if I even still want to? Oh, love, Louis whispers, pushing the baskets away and folding Harry into an awkward hug. Harry's still in the armchair and him on his knees, their bodies not quite fitting together considering the angle. I couldn't bear the thought of figuring myself out with everyone looking over my shoulders, not saying anything to me, but having fucking deadlines in mind. I just wanted to be the furthest away from it all as possible. I just wanted to run to the edge of the universe. He whispers it all on Louis' shoulders, small and vulnerable. It's okay, Louis whispers right back, stroking the nape of Harry's neck. You got here. You found us. Furthest place away from everything possible. That's us. That's here. Louis smiles when he hears Harry laugh wetly in his ear. He found us, he repeats, squeezing Harry's body. Eventually, they finish the rest of the rooms together, remaking beds and placing towels in every ensuite. As they work, Harry is quiet in a different way, looking a bit emotionally drained, but not quite as devastated as before. Halfway through, Louis offers his phone to him, Spotify app open, telling him, Pick something good. You better, you have better taste than me. And Harry makes a quick playlist for them. That's the thing he's been doing recently. Not just selecting playlists for them to listen to, but actually doubling the number of playlists on Louis' account, creating random ones with quirky titles like The Feeling of Sunshine on Your Face When You Tilt Your Head Back With Your Eyes Closed, Soft Winter Heart on a Soft Winter Day, or Songs to Dance To When You Don't Know How to Dance. There is one titled Vintage Heartbreak for a Modern Boy that Louis has surprised himself by falling in love with. It's filled with old, sad songs from the 50s, 60s, and 70s in various languages. Harry's also been sneakily adding and deleting songs from Louis' existing playlist, though Louis suspects he thinks he's gotten away with it. Louis would be mad, but he's made his usual running mix a lot better, so... By the time they're done with the morning cleaning, Louis is starving, so he goes to the kitchen by himself, barring Harry from entering to help and promising him a nice lunch on top of the tower if he can just be a little patient. He puts together two quick salads using some chicken leftovers, balancing them carefully in his hands as he makes his way up the spiral staircase with the poetry book tucked in the back pocket of his jeans. I've got food, he exclaims once he's up there, laughing when he sees Clifford curled up on Harry's lap where he's sitting cross legs on the rug back against the bench. Someone's comfy, Louis comments, nodding toward Harry where Clifford's head is nestled on Harry's thigh before handing him his food and sitting down next to him, shoulders to shoulders. Harry looks down and shrugs. I was surprised he wanted to climb along, to be honest. He rarely seems to want to be up here. Louis nods. Yeah, that staircase is a bit tricky for him. He's almost too big for it. Sometimes I have to carry him down like a baby after he's made his way up here. He makes it up, and then he's like, Oh, no, I don't actually want to do this. He's so dumb. Louis says affectionately toward his baby, reaching across Harry's body to scratch his ears. Yes, you are, he confirms, before realizing he's leaning all the way over Harry's lap. Oops, he chuckles, leaning away. Harry, bless him, doesn't seem bothered as he takes a huge bite of salad. This is good, he comments once he's swallowed. Thanks. No problem. Louis eats a few bites before speaking again. Hey, I've been meaning to say something to you. Nothing bad, he adds when Harry's head turns sharply towards him. It's just, Mr. Drummond mentioned you making calls every day at the phone box and 
Earlier you said something about calling your sponsor, and I figured that's probably what you're doing there. I obviously don't want to pry, but you could call him here if you need. I don't make a habit of listening to my guest phone calls, and like, I could even leave the cottage if that makes you feel better. You don't have to go all the way to the village to phone. Harry chews silently, body very still. He swallows after a while, and Louis can't help but watch the way his throat moves. Mr. Drummond told you I was making phone calls? He asks, slow and carefully, his face betraying nothing. Louis thinks he might be upset. Yeah, he said something about people in the village noticing and talking about it. I think they thought it was people in the village are talking about it? Harry asks, voice rising an octave. Not in like... Louis gesticulates with his fork, trying to find the right words. They don't know anything, he says, as reassuring as possible. It's a small village. You grew up in one. You know how people are when they're bored. They don't mean anything by it. All I'm saying is, if you want more privacy, you're welcome to use the B&B's line. There's a phone in your room. I know you don't have one. Well, I mean, you're... I assume you have a mobile, but not with you, so you know... I'll give you privacy if that's what you need. I can't imagine it's fun to have a personal conversation where anyone could watch. I, that's kind, but I kind of like the routine I've established here. It's important to me. And the walk back to the lighthouse after, it gives me time to reflect and I can just go down to the beach and think. It gives me time to just settle into it, I suppose. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, I suppose, but I, I like that I'm I'm having those phone calls in a neutral environment. I don't think I want to, I don't know, pollute my room with all of that. Not that all the calls are difficult, but, you know, it's nice to have a separate space to put that. Oh, Louis exhales. Of course, I, I didn't think about that. It's all right. Thank you for offering, though. Harry pauses. I do have a phone, he adds almost absently. It's somewhere at the bottom of my bag. I didn't bring a charger, so it's not like I'm in the headspace to use it right now. You've gone completely off the grid, Louis teases, and he's surprised by the way Harry looks thoroughly amused. You have no idea, Louis, Harry says before starting to eat again. I mean, I write to my mom every few days, and my sister. I think she'd show up here ready to rip my head off if I didn't give her some sort of updates. Bless the bakery, coffee shop, only restaurant in town for its old computers, right? Louis laughs, I guess. God, they're almost as old as the monster at reception. Can you even Gmail on that? Harry shrugs. It's all right, just a few emails once in a while. I meant it when I said you could use my laptop, you know? I know. But you like the routine, Louis finishes for him, smiling softly. I think I need the routine. They say that's an important part of, like, Harry gestures vaguely, you know? Louis nods, though he doesn't. Not really. He knows what folks usually know. Stuff from films and TV shows, from stories on the news and a friend of a friend or a distant relative. He feels a little out of his element talking about this, heart beating a little faster than usual, palms a little sweaty, nervous as he's going to say the wrong thing. Nervous he's going to hurt Harry's feelings, or worse, fuck up his progress somehow. He's gone with his instincts so far, said what felt right in the moment and hoped for the best, suppressing the fear that he's supporting Harry wrong. 
The more Harry opens up, though, the less he's able to brush out the feeling that he's really not equipped for this. He's armed with nothing but good intentions and a big heart. It's not failed him in the past, but he fears it might not be enough this time. They say going back to your regular life and, like, maintaining a new healthy routine is important. And since I'm not going back to my normal life straight away, I really want to nail the new routine thing. Harry laughs a little self-depreciatingly. I have to admit, helping you cook wasn't, like, entirely selfish on my part. It just felt like a good way to implement some normalcy into my life here. Just one more element added to the routine. Well, I'll be damned, Louis deadpans. I really feel cheated now. Harry snorts. Yeah, it was horribly manipulative of me, he says, putting his empty salad bowl away and burying his fingers into Clifford's curly fur. How very dare you, Louis continues to joke, voice emotionless. Helping me cook and clean for selfish reasons? Ugh, vile. Thank you, Harry says seriously instead of continuing the joke. Louis smiles when their eyes meet. He frowns a little low, shaking his head and silently questioning. He verbalizes his query a few seconds later. What for? Not treating me weirdly? Letting me talk about this? Taking away the wine list the first night in the dining room without even asking me anything? I mean, take your pick. That wasn't... I could just tell you were uncomfortable and I didn't want you to be. It's not... It's nothing special. You don't have to thank me for that. You keep thanking me for doing some really normal, decent bloke shit, and it makes me wonder if you just hang out with wankers all the time or what. At that, Harry bursts into laughter. I mean, he tilts his head before laughing again, and it's infectious. You need better friends, mate, Louis warns once they've calmed down a bit. Yeah, probably, Harry says before bending down to give Cliff a small kiss on the top of his head. I mean, I have you and Clifford now, so I guess that's a good start, he adds shyly, pointing, pointedly not looking back at Louis, eyes focused on the dog as he very carefully pets him from the top of his head down the length of his body. Something protective and fierce curls up in Louis's chest, takes root, settles. You definitely do. That night, after they've walked Clifford in companionable silence and said goodnight near the reception desk, Louis curls up in bed with his laptop resting on his chest, opening tabs after tabs on addiction and recovery on how to best support someone on that path. He reads on until his laptop battery dips below 30%, slightly overwhelmed but determined to get as much knowledge as he can.